Hello there, folks. Kevin here. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sound and head on over to our Instagram, Film Friday Podcast. Give it a like, a follow, and, you know, maybe share it with your friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Friday. This week I am joined by NYU student Rowie Carney and he's also a rising TikTok star. Is that right, Rowie? <laughs> I guess that is, yep. yep. Yeah, rising, rising TikTok star. You're the first <laughs> TikTok person I've actually had on the podcast. You're, you're blessed by a TikTok star. He's about to <laughs> give his opinions. And, oh yeah, yeah, you're about to hit it big. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, it's it huge. <laughs> okay, um, so, Rowie, tell the people about yourself. Give us a little introduction to you as a person. Well, um, yeah, so I go to NYU. I um, am going here for film. I'm uh, studying film, though I'm more interested in kind of music videos. That's uh, kind of the route I'm going down, so I'm interested in, like, cinematography and things like that. Though, like, you know, I do appreciate story, and um, I, I guess I, I kind of started down this route because of... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it'd be cool to have like an idea in your mind and seeing it come to fruition on screen. And I think that it's, it's cool for a lot of people. And I just think it's a really, I feel like film is an interesting way to kind of accumulate a lot of different art and, um, you know, forms into one kind of huge humong- humongous, like piece of art. So that's why I enjoy it. That's me, I guess I'm a sophomore right now. So still pretty young, young whippersnapper. So for, for people that aren't uh, from the Americas, a sophomore is your first year? Oh, yeah. Or second year? Yeah, second year. Second year, yes. Yeah. So I'm a second year at, at UN. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> second year at UN. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> and the film row we picked today is a portrait of a lady on fire. And this is yeah. like a r- rare film because it's the newest film we've done the podcast. And it's the first film that I haven't seen on the podcast no idea yeah man i had no idea what this film was um only watched it last night and yeah um it intrigued me Mm. (laughs) for those of you who don't know uh portrait of a lady on fire uh was released 2019 so last year pre-covid directed and written by celine skiamama that's Sienna, yeah. I don't know, she's French. I think it's him, maybe. <laughs> French lady. Here we have a little segment, Rowie, where I'll give you the budget and then you have to guess the box office. All right? Okay, okay. All right. So the budget of this was 4.86 million. How much do you think it made? Ugh, I don't think it made a lot. I'm, I'm going to guess 8 million. How's that? Very close. It made 10 million. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think it, it got, cause I heard it got, um, it got kind of cheesed out of, cause well, cause it was released in France first and then kind of released in mm-hmm. America after all the hype kind of went out. So I, I kind of could see that coming, which sucks. Cause I think this movie is, is worth seeing. Definitely. Yeah. What you've seen this eight times you said. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen this a lot. I don't know. There's something about it. It just makes me feel warm inside. I love it. Why of all the films that you could pick, why did you pick this one? 
I think the reason I picked this one because it was so I think it was so new. I mean, of course I'm I'm in love. For some reason, I I don't like making these, but I'm in love with like fleeting love stories and it, you know this kind of vision of because I feel like you see a lot in like rom coms and romantic movies that this like everlasting love. You know they you know they live happily ever after. You go you see them in Shrek, you see them in all these things where you know it starts the movie off rocky, but you know at the end it's always going to be perfect. And I think what's so interesting about movies like this is that it's not perfect, and that's kind of a, a, a cool glimpse into life in that. You know, you only have a short opportunity with someone. I think in this movie, especially, it's like make it count. And they do that so well with, you know, the briefness of this encounter. But I think it's, I don't know, it's just really special. And I, I mean, this movie, as well as movies kind of like Call Me By Your Name, or I just watched Linklater, the Linklater trilogy, um, the before, like before sunrise, before sunset and before midnight. And just kind of that, like, you know, love doesn't always last forever. Not love's always perfect. I think is an interesting thing to capture in film. And it's always, you know, it's different for every director. And I think everyone, you know, has a different view of love. So you really get to like, you know who the director is or like what their kind of views or the writer is about love through these films. Yeah, that's a good answer. Okay, so you have 10 seconds for anybody who has never seen this film and you have 10 seconds to uh, summarize it. Okay, okay, here we go. All right, wait, wait. I'm gonna catch you in three. Wait, let me let me prep. Let me prep. Okay. Okay. Wait. Um. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, go. French lady. She's a she's a painter. She comes to Brittany, France, and they uh she's she's painting this girl. Uh, the girl they they slowly fall in love, but they, they have to leave at some point. So it's, ah. a, it's a story about love and ah! <laughs> You know what I was. That was bad. That was a bad description of it. But, you know, there you go. Yeah, no, that was, I mean, that wasn't a bad uh, 10 second summary. (laughs) (laughs) Like, some of the 10 second summaries that have gotten on here, man, have been terrible. So, um, I think you got some of the basic points about. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, it's not, I feel like that's that's the kind of pretty thing about this movie. It's not too complicated. It's not, you know, it's no inception. So, yeah, that's very true. I, it's definitely very, a very thematic movie. Like when I was watching it, I felt like I was watching um, a Pride and Prejudice. It was like a book. It feels like this movie is like a classic book. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, I can see that. I think especially with like the coloring of it, it's warm and like, you know, this. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's a kind of like a period piece, I think they do a great job, especially with, I mean, the budget is not big so i think they did a good job of creating a kind of mm-hmm. that that antique vibe that you see with yeah. those kind of movies it almost feels like each uh frame is kind of like a renaissance painting mm, yeah i can see that like very soft i mean the colors are not you know kind of st- struck at you like even if you look at like the trailer it's kind of just all the colors are you don't see any like very bright contrasty colors. Everything just kind of fades into each other. Yeah. So, and it's also, I think, yeah. Well, I think they do also a good job of like lighting. It feels like, you know, there's, it feels as if there's never artificial lights in the movie, you know, like in terms, I don't know how they lit it, but it seems like, you know, when it's candle, it seems like that's the only thing that it's being lit with. It's like candles or, when there's moonlight, you know, they probably had like a light outside, but it's just so soft, all the lighting, it's never really hard. 
Hmm. I, I feel like, you know, it appeals to all, I feel like there's a, a reasoning in all those things. I feel like possibly the biggest reason, which, you know, with Parasite winning is changing this slightly, but international films seem to never do mm. as well as regular films, just because, you know, people aren't interested in reading subtitles, which is, is a French film. So, um, I feel like that's a big reason is, you know, even when I'm like with friends and they're like, you know what, I'm not interested in reading tonight. Let's not watch international, which is sad because, you know, there are so many films that are amazing that are written in different languages. Um, so I think that that was a big piece that people are just not interested in reading all the time. And it's kind of a huge gate, um, which I think that the director of Parasite um, quoted really well that, you know, there's a whole world of cinema locked behind two inches of text and it's just it's saddening but also it, it does make sense you know sometimes i'm not interested in looking down at the screen every time i want to read what they're saying because you know you do lose a lot you don't see as much in the facial uh, expressions or um that kind of the the small quirks that you would see in a native language film so i feel like that's a reason why it didn't make as much money yeah i could definitely see that i kind of I complete like talking about it. I completely forgot about that. Um, so, so for people that don't know, yeah, yeah. it's it's a French film that's subtitled <laughs> because it is is like Parasite. When you go and see Parasite, after like the first ten minutes, you just kind of your brain. I feel like adjusts to it. Yeah, dude, exactly. I mean, it, it it's awesome that you like forgot that it was a subtitled film. I completely like, just forgot. After, yeah, like, after oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and after a few minutes, it's like really you just kind of get brought into it. Um, though the one thing I think that I appreciate about watching this more and more is that there's the actors in this or the actresses, let me say, are so amazing in their facial expressions, mm. which I think because, you know, non-native speakers don't get to see as much because they're looking down at the screen so much that when I watch over and over again, you know, I start to not look at what they're saying as much in looking at their faces and there's so much information there which is lost to, I think, a lot of people. So I think a second watch is really important in this movie. At the end of the movie, I think there's a there's a scene where the two girls are laying in bed and it's their last, it's their last night together. And the day after, um, the painter is going to leave and the mother is coming back. And they're talking about when was the first time they knew they loved each other. Um, and... One of the girls never says when she fell in love with the girl. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, you know, when was that? Because I think they allude to it. And I, I believe there is a moment and I, I think a visual moment where you can see that one of the, the girls falls in love with the other one. And watching back, I've been trying to like find out that exact moment when they knew that they fell in love with each other. And I think a lot of it is within the eyes. And my personal opinion is if people watch this, I think when they are playing piano at the start and they are looking at each other. They are looking at each other. I think that's a moment where one of the girls falls in love with the other one. That's just which my one, theory. Which one do you think? The one that's playing the piano? What's their, what's their names again? And see, that's the thing with I've, Marianne and Heloise. And Eloise. Eloise is the blonde one. Okay, so okay. I think it was, that's when Eloise fell in love with her. Because when she was okay. looking at her playing the piano, or I guess it was a harpsichord or whatever it was. But yeah, that, yeah. that was when it happened. I didn't catch along until a bit that like Heloise obviously doesn't realize that um, Marianne is there to paint her. So yeah, for anybody who hasn't seen it, I'm sure there's a lot of people that haven't. Um, Marianne, she goes there and she's a painter and she's mm -hmm. taking a picture of her 
to like so she can get married to some guy in um Italy, isn't it? Like so he'll know what she mm. looks like. And yeah. be like, yeah, I want to marry her if she's good looking or not. It's basically Tinder of uh, the 18th century. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 18th century Tinder. So what do you, what does Heloise think that she is? Because Heloise won't pose for it because she doesn't want to get married. So what does she think that Marion is at the start of the film? Just like a random mm. woman, like? That's an interesting question because I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't believe my mother, if she said that uh, someone was there to draw me. So I believe, I don't know. I Maybe at, at, from the beginning, she thinks something is up, though she just doesn't want to say it to herself. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, because there's definitely that moment where there's like that realization, which is kind of like a backtrack in like the love story where she's like, oh, um, she's, Heloise says the line, she's like, so you're a painter. That's why you were looking at me in all those ways. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the the gaze is so important in this film. You know, that just like the eyes, they they do such a good job at like there's this one star at the beginning of the of the movie, um, or this one scene where it's the first walk that they go on. And after they're they're sitting, both Eloise and Marianne are sitting and they're looking at the cliffs and they keep looking at each other, though they never lock eyes with each other at once. It's kind of like one person looks at the other one and then they look straight. And it's just like this rack focus of them like looking at each other over and over, but they never lock eyes on each other. So I think the gaze is such an important part in this movie. And definitely like you could see that where it's like, you know, if this gaze is so important, it feels like she was cheated on because those gaze were never real for her. But, you know, then you slowly figure out that those were real and that even though she is there to paint, there is a deeper love to that. Yeah. There's definitely a part in the movie, like, cause so at the start, like, like I said, it's like okay, so I feel like this is like a tragic, um, love story thing at start, but mm-hmm. you still don't know because it's not like, cause halfway you're just like, oh, are they just close friends or like is it going in that yeah. way? Because I didn't watch the trailer, so I had no idea. I was like. Oh, is is That's this yeah. yeah? Is this what's actually happened? Like, are they actually into each other, or is this just like not to get like too gender specific, or like the way like like the way I view films? But I suppose it was like I was looking at it with a heterosexual like brain thinking, because I was just like, oh, well, mm-hmm. then they're just close friends. But like, obviously, then when they weren't, I was like, oh, how stupid am I thinking that? Because they're obviously like in love. Yeah. <laughs> But I think yeah, it I was definitely an a... interesting thing that I will realize about myself. I was like, well, how many other films huh. do I view like that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that like if you didn't have that that pretext that they weren't going to get together, how many films with like, you know, a, a, two, a, a, a same gender relationship could be seen as, you know, a homosexual relationship or something where it's more than just friendship or platonic mm. So I think that's interesting. I mean, I came into it watching the movie or watching the trailer, so I knew that there was something there. But I, I think that is cool because it's like, it's also just like a glimpse into like how love works. And it's like, well, I don't know. Are we just friends? Or especially yeah. since like it's in that in that time period where, you know, I'm guessing homosexuality was so shunned and like not okay. So just that kind of like, it's like, a, it's, it's, 
I think it's also interesting to look. It's almost like they're jumping off a cliff, you know, that like they have to take this big risk to, you know, express their love with each other, which is, you know, I think is an interesting thing to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I, it definitely wasn't because like, it definitely was like a shunned thing because we're talking about like the main girl is being married off to a fella she's never met and she doesn't get a choice in it. So I can only imagine like, and they know that themselves. Like they don't know that this is a fleeting thing. Like in the in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, they should just fucking run off together. But I do yeah. like how they both like. It's like a unspoken knowledge that they're like, no, we could never do this. Yeah, it's it's depressing that it's you know it's not even situational because I'm guessing Eloise has money and I'm guessing they could have run off together. But the fact that society would not have accepted them makes it even more fleeting that it's not just because the situation they're in, it's because of the society they're in is not letting them be who they are, which yeah. is really sad. I And I don't know yeah. if it's because I haven't really viewed films from this, like even Pride and Prejudice, I've seen parts of it. Like 18th century, yeah. stuff like that. I've never really, it's never really got my attention. So this is the first film that I've watched where it's really put me in that point of view of like Jesus, yeah. it must have been like so horrible, like to be like a woman, <laughs> like not even like I know it's exactly. fucking yeah. like, gender shit is fucking all over the place everywhere still today in the world, but like just the extremities of it back yeah. then was crazy. Yeah, I mean she's being sold basically off to another marriage. Like that's that is her whole life, and that you know, especially when they're talking about like the 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 like work or commune like they don't have a choice in the matter that they either serve a husband or they go to church or like you know it's not there's no dream of them being able to own a shop which luckily marianne will like is able to but you know in general it's 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 hard for them like you were talking about how it's it's kind of hard to get into these period pieces that are so far gone from us like you know in no way can we really relate to the way they were living back then because it's just like you know 200 300 years away from us but i think what's what makes this film so interesting and makes me relate to the time that they're in is that like love is i mean this sounds cheesy but love is universal and i feel like the way that they feel towards each other you know can be related to you know relationships now and the people in the relationships you feel with other people and i think that's what um I, that's what I love about this movie is that it doesn't really matter about the period piece or the the time that they're in that you could put this um, this film or place it anywhere in a timeline and I think it would still be meaningful um yeah yeah no most definitely it's the director she does a very very good job on the acting as well of like really believing that yeah. it's just a real love story like, yeah, it is just true. It's just a, a true, like, raw dog love story. <laughs> there's nothing about it. Yeah, there's just nothing else about it that it's just that. I like the, um, the subplot they put in as well of um, the handmaiden that's yeah. um, pregnant. And really, how did they? Like, so if you got pregnant back then, like, they're just trying all these fucking random yeah, what, things, like... It's and it's just so odd seeing it. Like when she's hanging from this rope and you see her just <laughs> drop and you're like, what is going on with this? Yeah, yeah so there's some definitely weird. Is that the idea? Like, so what 
I was trying to figure out then, I was like, okay, so, yeah, so the subplot of the story is that there's a handmaiden and she's pregnant and she's just trying to get rid of the baby. Um, And then she's doing yeah. all this mad <laughs> shit. That's, like, completely normal but to them. But, like, to us, we're just like, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah, it looks like, like, witchcraft or whatever is going on. It's weird. It's so weird. Like, when they're sprinting. and Though I think that subplot... Um, gives way to one of the most powerful shots I think in the film. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful like imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, though when the handmaiden is having her abortion, um, she's like uh, she's laying on this bed, and the the old woman is working on her. And though you don't see the old woman, you just see kind of like a, a bird's eye view of the girl sitting while she's getting um, yeah, while she's doing the procedure. And right next to her is a ch- is a baby. Yeah, just there. And it's just so beautiful. Like, it was just played so well. And I think they got lucky with the child because I know it's so hard to work with babies and especially, you know, trying to get them to do a certain thing. But the way that she just like, grabs her nose yeah. and, like, holds her hand while she's crying and it's just such kind of a, an interesting thing that she's get, she's giving away, you know, you know politically, it's, it doesn't matter what you think, but I think, you know, she's giving away almost a piece of her. Yeah. And you can see that because she's crying, that it, it's it's meaningful to her and that she's faced with that, but also being, you know, also right next to life and what this child or what this thing could have become, I think is an, an interesting thing to look at. Do you think um, that the director has opinions either way mm. about um, abortion? I don't know. I mean, it seems, though, I mean, knowing her, though, I mean, not really knowing her, but I feel like she is, you know, probably a proud feminist and you know who has two very strong lesbian female leads you know you would seem like it would be leaning towards kind of this pro-choice vision but i think there is so many ways to interpret that scene like you know is this a way to show that this is what she could have had and like she's forgetting it or is this like you know the circle of life and that she's not ready for it i don't know i i'm it's it's interesting that she put that in there and i don't know under the guise of what she was trying to relay with that message mm. i i think it's um i mean what i took away from it was because while that's and i agree with you i think that that's a very powerful scene but what i took away from it is um mm-hmm. the two girls are watching uh, mariana and uh, eloise and marianne tries uh, yeah. to look away and Heloise is like, no, mm-hmm. look at it. And for, yeah. for me, I could be looking too much into it. But for me, I felt like that was like a thing where she was like, no, this is a thing and we need to talk about it. Like, this is an actual thing. And like, it's a reality of our world and you can't just hide away from it. And I felt for me, like her was her idea to like spark conversations just like this that we're having because like you know it's not the easiest conversation to have because you're afraid you might say something that you don't mean and you'll trip up on something and then like you'll offend somebody and stuff like that but it's an important conversation to have like you know i I think i you know i never thought of it that way because i always you know i i remember seeing that part where she says you know don't look away like face this head on Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to take it, you know, it's kind of outside of the characters and what they're feeling, but the situation that they're in. And, you know, she doesn't hide from the the abortion at all. Like, I mean, they bring it up again when Eloise wants to paint the whole scene again. And, you know, they definitely hammer it in and they say, this is a situation. This is a, um, 
this is something that happens and look at it and base it on. I think that's a really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that shows like the great skill of her as a director that it can spark like yeah. so many, like I've said this before on the podcast podcast, but what I feel shows true um, craft in your art is that people can bring in five different opinions and they can all work yeah so like that it's not yeah, kind of a, it's not an exact yeah. thing like she probably has her exact thing for what she was but other people can say different things and they can be like it can work you know what i mean exactly yeah it's a it's an open-ended piece but you can you know it's it's open-ended but at the same time it's almost like if you have a belief you could see that in that mm-hmm. and it, it kind of it, it goes past the film and it looks into you and what your beliefs are and what you take from that meaning. And that's interesting. Cause I was, you know, I'm, I'm in this class right now where we talk about documentaries and what they choose and what they don't choose to put in these documentaries and how that makes it factual and how that makes it real. Because, you know, every director, when they're creating something, they have a message that they're trying to relay. And it's almost like what, how are they relaying this? And how much they're leaving up to the viewer to decide what's going to happen, which is interesting. Yeah. And I think that that definitely goes towards a skillful director for sure. Oh, she's definitely very, very skilled. Also makes, yeah, I think what also makes her skilled and I think she's very comfortable with her medium is that, I mean, this is, this is, I think what I love most about this film is that it is so brief in the encounters they have. Like there's nothing I feel like, you know, the more I watch it, there's nothing in the movie that feel that I feel like is not meaningful to what's going on. That like, there's this one scene right after they, um, well, not right after, but they kiss for the first time under this um, cliff. And then at dinner, the handmaid and Marianne are sitting down and she's like, where's Eloise? And Eloise was sick and she was, um, you know, upstairs in her room. And right after that scene, you see, the first time where they kind of get to be alone with each other, but sexually. Um, But what's so interesting about that is that it just goes straight from dinner to that scene. There's no filler. And when Marianne goes into that room, Eloise is just standing there. But, you know, if you think about the kind of the, the actual, I guess, um, logistics of that is like, why would Eloise just be standing there waiting for Marianne to come in? Like she doesn't know when she's going to come in. Why isn't she doing anything? Why isn't she playing with something? Why isn't she looking at the fire? Instead, she's just staring straight at the door, ready for Marianne to walk in, which I think, you know, when you're watching it and you're so deep into the, and you're so invested in the film, you don't think about Mm -hmm. that. And I think that's, what's so interesting about it is that she doesn't, anything that doesn't have to do with kind of the love of these characters doesn't matter because in their mind, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, the only time that matters is when they're together. And I think that the film itself is cut in a way where it shows that, that, you know, the little things where she she was playing with something or she had to go and wash herself before this, those don't matter to them. And it doesn't, it shouldn't matter to us that the only thing that does matter is the time that they spend together, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah, man, I completely agree. And I think um, she cuts it. I think that's the exact reason why she cuts it like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I, it's funny, like in the first scene, and there's only like I think there's only two shots with like men in it, and like the first scene, um, where yeah. they're like rowing the boat, and like her 
her suit or the paintings go overboard. And like all the guys just look at it and just like, they're all just dicks. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't help her at all. Yeah. <laughs> or, shit. Yeah. Or like when she's, she won't, she just dumps her luggage on the beach and she has to walk up this like big fucking cliff to get to the house. And yeah. the guy just drops his shit and he just doesn't even say where to go. She has to ask him where to go. And he's like, yeah, it's just up the hill. <laughs> yeah. She's walking. And she <laughs> turns around. And yeah. And he just points like over there somewhere. Yeah, but I do. I felt the fact that yeah, I, she brought in then. It's like at the end, I, I, when her mother comes back. So they're left for five days alone in the house, and that's where their love really starts to bloom. And then, yeah, it's almost like I feel like they were in this like little mad, this little world of their own, and then the first person we see mm-hmm. to like let them know that our mother is back is just a random man in having breakfast. And I feel like that's her way of saying it's like, Oh, and now they're starting to return to like the horribleness of the actual real world. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Cause like that, the only time we kind of are faced with the real world is with men, you know, yeah. the only, cause you know, when they go to the, the, the dinner or whatever, the festival where all these women are at, you don't see any men. And I mean, you do see that little boy at the abortion scene, but you know, there's a difference I think between men and children. And there is like a world that they build and it's only cut with the view of men, which is interesting. Yeah. It's definitely has the oppression vibe, which like was completely like understandable. Like, you know? Yeah. I think what also is cool and adds to like the, brevity of everything is the way that she only uses two songs and and no there's no like score it's just two songs and it's only played at i think the most opportune moments and i mean the the first song is played when um they're at like the festival and they're like um they're waiting for the handmaid to get uh, for the elder to tell her whether she needs an abortion or not or whether she's still pregnant and while they're doing that they're looking at each other across the fire and uh, louise gets her dress burnt or like it's it's on fire though she doesn't respond or any way she just keeps staring at marianne um and that's when the music comes and i think it's she places the music in such kind of profound moments where that's when you need it that's when like I don't know. It may, it gives you shivers in where she puts the music because you're kind of deprived from music throughout the whole piece. And then when it comes in, it's surprising, but it's also so emotional. Yeah, definitely. What? Why do you think? I was going to ask you about that scene. Why do you think that she? So she stands at the fire and they're like gazing into each other's like eyes. And then she just lets her dress go on fire. and But she is so calm about it. Like, why do you think that she just doesn't notice? Or do you think that, what do you think? I think, hmm, I think there's, you know, of course, there's many ways to look at this. And I mean, this just came to my mind. But I think there's a theme where they talk about in the, is it, it's, I, I forgot what book they're reading but it's a greek tragedy about the two Mm. couple the couple that looks at each other um and i think this it's a common theme about the whole thing that like don't look away or look at me and the fact that eloise would rather continue to stare at marianne than to you know 
and this is very intense, but burn up is, I think, attributing to their love in that it nothing else in the world matters besides the gaze that these two have with each other. Um, and I think that's, it, it goes to the story because I think the story kind of is, you know, gets reminded and alluded to throughout the whole film is that nothing really matters besides the relationship that is between these two and that they'll look and they'll throw their whole life away just to get one more glimpse at the person. Yeah. So I think that's probably why I think that's my thought. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I completely forgot about until you yeah. said it there about the, the Greek tragedy that they read. I think it's Orpheus. Uh, I'm definitely saying the name wrong, pronouncing it wrong. And Orpheus, Orpheus. Yeah. And Eurydice, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, I knew that they were going to do this because they do this in films a lot where, well, not a lot, but whenever there's a film where they implement a Greek tragedy, where there's a character reading a Greek tragedy, it's going to come back around. Um, and it does beautifully at the end. Because there's that, that Greek tragedy is about two oh, like yeah. lovers that aren't gonna happen, and then they do that beautiful comparison of like the turning around at the end. Um, but I yeah. wonder how much in her head when she was writing this, because she's the sole writer of this film as well, which makes it even more impressive. Mm. Did she? I wonder yeah. read that Greek tragedy first, and like was she like, hmm, I'd love to do like a. Uh, Thing around that or did she was she just writing it and be like oh this would work well here hmm i mean that's interesting because it, it i mean it does seem so ingrained in the piece and it feels like without it it would be empty. Mm-hmm. um so i feel like there must have been an idea of this piece before she started writing it for sure because i mean if you look at it like yeah there's that whole ending where she she looks at the at uh, eloise and eloise disappears um, and in the Greek tragedy, when Orpheus looks at Eurydice, I think, I don't know, or Eurydice, yeah. uh, whatever, whatever it is. Her name is. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare, a cream or she something. She gets sucked back down into, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she gets sucked back down into the into hell. And like, that was the last time, but he had a, a vision of her and he'll never be able to see her again. And I think that it also relates to this where, you know, they looked at each other and even at the end, which Oh, what an ending where they're at the play and they're listening to Storm by Four Seasons. Mm. You're, um, Eloise never sees Marianne. She's cursed almost in the way that Marianne can look at Eloise as much as possible, but there's never going to be a connection again. It's it's hard between those two because you see that the camera is like, yeah, and it's, she, it's hard. Yeah, she's literally like the direct, the way she does it is brilliant because it's like she's creating a scratch that cannot be itched uh, mm-hmm. and she's just z- oh, exactly yeah. i think that's a perfect way to she's say. just zooming in and you're just like turn around turn around turn your head but her acting in this mm-hmm. this like i was enjoying the film but this part this scene really sealed it for me that like i was like that's very very good filmmaking well yeah her, even the acting you see in her face almost that the music is going through all the good and bad times that they had throughout the film. Exactly. You see in her eyes, almost the whole movie play out, like just the emotion, the raw emotion that's being shown. And I think it's such a perfect piece storm by, uh, um, 
I forgot his name, but the, in the four seasons, it's just such an intense piece. Yeah. And I think, and I don't know, I've never had kind of a piece of classical music hit me that hard because I, I'm telling you, if you, I've shown people that ending who have never seen that movie and it does nothing to them because of course it's not going to do anything to them. It's a girl tearing up at a, a classical piece that's been written 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. But with the context of this whole, if, uh, everything that they're going through in the realization that we're looking at her through Marianne's eyes, it just makes it so much more intense. And I think, I don't know, I love, and I love the fact that they uh, allude to that piece at the beginning when they're playing the music, uh, when they're playing on the harpsichord. And that's also the reason why I think that was the first time that Eloise fell in love with her, okay. which is because they brought it back. And I think that's such an important time where she heard Four Seasons for the first time and realized that there's, not, there's more to life than the church and to, and to just be her mother's um, slave, I guess. Yeah. You, you kind of feel like I, her mother is, she, like, I suppose she would be the villain of the piece, but she's also understandable. Like, she's like, this is the world we live in. And if I want to give you a good life, mm-hmm. this is what I need to do. Yeah, I mean, and exactly the fact that, I mean, we didn't touch on it, but the fact that she had a daughter before that killed yeah. herself because of the fact that she didn't want to do this. And now she's put on to it, you know? Do you think Heloise was ever close to killing herself? So as obviously she's seen her sister doing it. So like her sister did it because she didn't want to have the same fate. Um, do you think that she is ever close to doing it? Hmm. I don't think she is. And I think they, they make that apparent at, you know, at the first walk because Marianne came into the pre uh, into the, the first walk, knowing that her sister or Eloise's sister jumped off the cliffs and killed herself. And at the first walk, you see Eloise run towards the cliffs and it's such an, an intense moment. Cause you're like, Oh my God, is she about to jump off? <laughs> and we feel what Marianne's feeling because you know, you're like, Holy, she's running yeah. just towards the cliffs. And at the end, and she's like, I've wanted to do that for so long. And then Marianne's like, what, die? And she's like, no, run. <laughs> and it's just like, the fact that I don't think she thinks about killing herself, that she just thinks about being free and that's all she wants. Mm, yeah. I Yeah. Now, I know my answer to this, um, and I'll tell you after I ask you. But do you think yeah. um, for Marianne, she was, do you think that she was gay? before like that she known that she was like and um, she liked women or do you think that mm. that was a realization for um just throughout this film hmm. I, that's an interesting question because i think you know I, I we are given information that she was with someone before and she's been pregnant mm-hmm. so she was with a man before in some way um i I mean, I feel like, you know, I mean, I, I can't speak on this because I, I'm not gay, though. I feel like you kind of there's probably always been this like feeling that she's not connected to men in a way that she is connected to women. And the fact that she's been pregnant before, but though she's never loved anyone before. And the first person she loved was this a woman that gave her the attention that she needed. Um, that I think that she knew something as well. But I think this was. The you know the nail in the coffin to say that she is gay and this is kind of yeah. what she wants. Yeah, I guess that's my that's my view on that. Yeah, 
I, I, I was thinking that, and this is what I felt was one of, like, the ideas of the director. And, like, I looked a bit into her and um, the director and some of the stuff she's done. Um, so I feel that this mm-hmm. might be correct. I think, I don't know now, but this is, like I said, it's just my interpretation, that the whole idea was for her to show that, like, it didn't matter. Like, you know, she just loved this person. And, like, for her, it was never, like, a gender thing. And, like, this was, like, her realizing it's just, like, I just love this person. I don't care that she, if she's a male or female or she's whatever. Like, I don't care. Um, I just feel love. And I, I guess that was, like, one of my big takeaways from the film. I was, like, wow, this isn't even about their their like the, whatever like whoever they love it's about just loving a person um yeah definitely i i agree with i definitely agree with that um but that's what i think i, I yeah. think also like yeah because i uh, well because i think like i also agree with the fact that you know i don't view this this movie as a, a gay yeah. film in any way even though there is you know homosexual yeah, relationships happening it, it, it's so much more than that it's very just raw love and you you definitely got a real, uh, you know speak to that with the fact that it didn't matter whether it was a man or a woman that there was just kind of pure love yeah in that because i feel like it's it's a it's a lot different than a movie like Come by your name and i see this movie being related a lot to Come by your name just because it is like a fleeting love story and it does have homosexual relationships mm. in it though i think there's there's such a difference in it because you know in call my name though for people who i feel like there's such a um a focus on the male anatomy and body because the fact that they you know they study these greek sculptures and you see kind of you know uh, all the all these male bodies that it's such it's an important piece to the film that they are men and i think in this one yeah. it's, not. it's just two humans experiencing yeah love. i agree and I think it's interesting that it's it's definitely even like a thing that like this movie definitely made me question. I was like, because I had that idea as well. I was like, oh, like, you know, oh, it's a gay film. But then I was like, well, what? Then it's just a film. Like, you know, it made me bring up them questions. I'm yeah. like, there's not like as uh, uh, acknowledging like in a society or just like in a film culture or like a movie culture, like. I feel like it's great, like that. Like we're just going in the good direction, where it's like it's not a, f- a love a romance in a film. Isn't like doesn't make it a gay film or a straight film or a whatever yes. film. It just makes it a film. Exactly. I think it, it it is a really good kind of point in the direction for you know the acceptance of the LGBT community. I mean, the director did such a perfect job in writing that. The fact that she kind of had had the ability to just kind of throw gender out the window it doesn't matter yeah um i think she is um she's a lesbian herself um i think most of our common teams have to deal yeah. with like the fluidity of gender and sexual identity among girls and women yeah i think and i think i'm i'm excited to see where this kind of goes with the gender fluidity because you know i think there is like a connotation around gender fluidity where it's like you know you don't know who you are or like it just kind of like it's vague and you should know like this should be a gay film or this should not be but i think it it especially in film it leaves you know us to focus on different things like we don't focus on gender though 
we focus on other things that are a lot more important, like the love that they have between each other. And I think this can be used as the way that she filmed in movies that aren't love stories, but, you know, kind of touch on different subject that it doesn't matter the gender. Um, and I think it kind of almost highlights other parts of the film and make other parts of, you know, other themes in the film more intense. The fact that we don't have to worry about the gender and we don't have to worry about kind of the stereotypes that are um, put on to these. T- so first yeah. question, what's your standout performance? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, I, I think that, that adds to it. I think she's definitely very, I don't know. I feel like I would love to see, I, I know we're on quick fire questions, but before I'd love to see this, the set of this movie because it feels so comfortable mm. it feels like such a comfortable set and that these actors were so free though it doesn't feel like they were working alone i bet you know it, it feels almost just watching it because i don't know how she directed it that celine had so much to say but it was like she almost had a character in the movie herself that it was these three women creating this film that it wasn't just you know these two people providing their own performances it's like it's a complete performance in all of them together and i think the director really plays a huge role in that especially in this mm. movie yeah definitely now next question what do you um this one might be, is an interesting i think eloise i think eloise has such a dramatic kind of um you know she's a, she's a dynamic character and i think you see that throughout the whole movie that she she starts off so closed at the at the end she's glowing and she just talks so much and we i think this also goes on to you know celine siama's writing that she just opens so much and we see so much of more of this lady that at the beginning was hooded and we didn't know anything about her so i I feel like that's i think she's my favorite yeah just with her her name is um, adele i think adele and now and uh i think she was actually in a relationship with the director character you most relate to I'd probably say, and then the other one, I'd say Marianne, because I think, mm-hmm. you know, I I just, I feel for her the fact that she kind of fell in love so easily. And the fact that, you know, when Eloise asked her, did she ever, has she ever been in love with someone? And the answer was yes, but the answer was yes, because she fell in love with Eloise right mm-hmm. there. And I think that's so beautiful and so kind of relatable that, you know, you know, love or, you know, and love platonically or romantically can happen so quick and you see that in this that it didn't take long for her to be completely enamored with Eloise that it was just such like a raw and um, deep emotion yeah. inside her what okay next one what do you think your favorite scene hmm. okay I was I was I knew you were gonna ask this question before we started my favorite scene uh, okay no I know I, I this switches a, a bit but I think my favorite scene currently is when Eloise or Marianne is painting Eloise and it's kind of like, I don't know if it's like the second or third time they are in a session and Elo or Marianne kind of brags or almost talks about how she would hate to be in Eloise's shoes, that she would not want to be painted because it's just kind of like she has to be stared at and she knows so much about Eloise because she talks about how like she knows how Eloise, like when Eloise gets angry, like she lifts her eyebrows or she bites her lip or everything. But then it's so beautiful or it's so funny when Eloise is like, do you not think we're in the same shoes? Like, and then she brings her over. She's like, come over here, come, come stand Mm -hmm. next to me and look where you're, look where I'm looking. And we look and we see that it, you know, Eloise would, or Marianne would have no one to look at 
if Eloise was not looking at her, that even though they are in a different, they're in different shoes, the fact that one's being painter, one's being painted and one's the painter, I think this is an interesting scene to think about, well, what's the difference between the painter and the painted? That, you know, they both know their aneurysms and they both know the way they move. And then after that kind of interaction, Marianne goes back to painting and she can't because she sees, she feels the eyes on mm. her now. And that those eyes have always been there. She was just not aware of it. And I think it's interesting that, you know, it, it also goes to the whole story that like, you know, they're not much different, these two, in like the way that they interact with each other. And I thought that was such a well blocked and well written scene. Yeah. My favorite. Well, I only watched the last night. So let me think. I think. <sighs> I know. I know. I know this movie like literally. And well. I think. My favorite scene would probably I think I really like the abortion scene. Um I think there's great themes in it. Mm-hmm. I think the camera angles are beautiful. I think the acting's brilliant. Um and yeah, that whole um just thing with like the baby beside her and like her getting the abortion, I think it's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's I think that scene alone as a yeah, it's as a subplot yeah. raises so many um questions and just like feelings like for in general and um, i'd say yeah that would probably be my favorite one but i was definitely curious to see what your favorite scene was um seeing as you've watched this movie so much yeah did you think i, was I gonna thought say that you were gonna say the abortion one or the last scene the final scene yeah, yeah. i mean I, that that's a second that's definitely a second best that scene gives me shivers even when i look at YouTube. <laughs> i do love that scene um also, one line that I really love. Oh, that's my um, next question. Okay, okay, then you ask. Okay, it. what's your favorite line? <laughs> what's my favorite line? Okay, I think my favorite line or like an exchange of line is um, during the first, is the first time that Marianne reveals the painting and Eloise is looking at it and judging and it's silent and Marianne's just kind of waiting to see what she thinks. And Marianne just, or Eloise just kind of drills into the painting and she's like, this, it's lifeless. And I'm, you know, ashamed that you would do this because it doesn't mean anything to me, but it also doesn't mean anything to you. And Marianne says, I didn't know you were an art critic. And then Eloise fires back and says, I didn't know you were um, a painter. And I think that's just such a good line because it's like, there's just so much there. And it's just such a final, like, fuck you, <laughs> like, yeah, you can't say shit because I didn't know you're a painter, and that's bullshit. <laughs> I thought I love that line. Cool. Okay, now this is the final question, but you can. This isn't quick fire, so you can take your time with this one. So, what impact do you think? Or what impact did the film have socially? And then the second part: what impact does the film have on you personally? Hmm. I mean, I think socially we kind of mm-hmm. talked on it um, a bit with like the gender fluidity thing. Um, I think, you know, whoever I show this film to, I feel like, I don't know, I, I I haven't had someone say that they didn't enjoy it because I think there is such kind of a um, raw emotion that can be relatable to everyone in this movie. And I think it does relate to the fact that it's gender fluid and, you know, the bros can watch it and feel something and you know, my girl roommates will watch it and will feel something. And I felt like even though I'm not a lesbian woman, I completely related to this. And I think that I, I, 
I feel like this relates to a lot of people. And I think socially, it just kind of shows this view that love is universal, you know, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of anything that makes you, so to speak, different than someone else, that love will always be the same. And I think that's beautiful. Very nice. I guess they kind of did a combination of it. Yeah, so then, yeah uh, personally, what do you think personally? Well, yeah. And then personally, I don't know. I'm I'm a love guy myself. <laughs> I love love, I guess. I don't know. I, I think it's just, there's something so raw about that emotion. And I, I feel like I love movies that do this because you get to kind of experience love in a different person's eyes. And it's always different for someone else. And I love looking at movies like this and I love, you know, Call My Name as well and kind of movies that talk about this kind of unregarded love for someone else is just interesting for me to look at because it's like, well, how do I view love, you know, platonically, also romantically, but how do I view it and how do I show that? And, you know, I think it's a good way to like be introspective on myself and kind of think about how I feel about people and, it's just such, I think it's a good insight and in like the psychology of people and me personally. Wow. Yeah, that's great, man. Obviously, um, that you yeah. watch it eight times as well as, um, I think that's when you know. That's yeah, obviously I have some opinions. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely, I, I, maybe I wouldn't have had as much to say about another movie, but this movie, I don't know, did something what, to me. Would you? But yeah, I think I might, you know, I haven't, I might watch it tonight again, <laughs> just because I talked about it somewhere. Would you, so say if you're like your first film um, or your first, like, I know, I know he's TikTok. If um, you should look up his TikToks, they're very, they're very good. They're very good. He has some music videos. Yeah. It's my first yeah. and last name on TikTok. He, he also has, there you go. yeah, his, Here's my plug. He, his YouTube, he also does some music videos, which are very good, but do you feel like in as you go on in your career and your filming, do you think that that's gonna that like love stories are gonna be one of the main things that you are gonna work with, or what do you feel? I think no, which is weird because I mean, I I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's a lot. It may be common for a lot of directors that uh, directors because I, I I mean, I'm very interested in the way I work is with like horror and kind of a insight and like, well, okay. So I think how, why I love romantic movies and horror so much is the fact that it just kind of reaches a point in like our psyche that is so raw and universal that like fear is fear, whether you love, whether it is or not and love is love. And I think, you know, there, there's action movies and everything that make you excited, but I think it's so like, ingrained in you to feel these feelings so much so i mean i don't think i'm going to go down the love path as much as i would love to go down horror but almost for the exact same thing that to see how people react and how people kind of um relate to fear and how it can be different for everyone but also very universal in the way that everyone gets scared and it's i mean also i don't know i'm not a a psychologist but i'm pretty sure they're in they're in like the same brain uh area that love and fear so like it's kind of cool that you know even though you would think like a movie like the babadook in this movie is very far apart but the kind of things that they're trying to like attack at you with 
less attack and force of laying fire, but are the same kind of yeah. places in your brain and do the same. Oh, no, I completely get you. Yeah, there's definitely there definitely is a tinge of horror and um some in your music videos. I know. I just love like just yeah grind like making people feel uncomfortable or things that you really wouldn't feel in real life like you know not everyone's gonna be able to experience love like this currently i'm not i don't know i'm a high school and college when am i gonna be able to experience this recently so it's a nice kind of way to experience this without all the bad parts and that's the same thing with horror that yeah mad well thanks so much for coming on yeah, thanks for having me. This was actually, this is very fun. I love I how surprised you sound. Everybody always sounds so surprised. I think that, I mean, I think the thing I was scared of most is I wouldn't have enough to talk about. And now I feel yeah, like yeah. I could talk for ages. I feel like you start to get into it. And after all the like nerves are gone, you really just you let, it go. let yourself go. So for any uh, of uh, Rowie's TikTok fans, uh, hopefully we'll have Rowie on again in the future. So yeah, stand by. You can talk about something else. I'll uh, <laughs> let everyone know about this. This is really fun. Yeah. I hope to be on it again. And maybe with a less... Um, you could do a horror. Your utter love. Maybe I could do a horror. Yeah, I, got some, nice. I got some on the Well, list. next week we got um, my friend Jade Cook all the way from South Africa. And she is going to be doing the never-ending story. So that's going to be fun. I haven't watched that movie in years. Have you even seen that movie? saw it yeah like a fever dream <laughs> well yeah Rowie. uh yeah. thanks for coming on say goodbye to people thank you for having me i'll see you guys later enjoy the other podcast yeah. if you're binge watching this thanks uh have Talk fun to you next week bye